0: What would you like the power to
1: do? Mobile banking
0: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
2: It's time for the BallQuest mailbag podcast, answering your questions from the General's quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the Ball Quest Mailback Podcast. I'm Eric Kane with Grant Ramey, Austin Price, and Brent Hubbs. It's presented by Exterior Home Solutions. For a free estimate, give Exterior Home Solutions a call today at 865 524 5888 or visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. A lot to get into here today in terms of questions, recruiting questions, football questions, basketball questions, baseball questions, transfer portal questions. We'll start out with basketball questions. Grant Ramey, this is from Chief Ball 19. Who are, who's your starting five to begin the new basketball season?
0: Uh, to, to begin the season, Austin's yep. ready for this April starting five projection. Starting I'm for, uh, percentages Zaki, for
2: each position, too.
0: Right. I'm going to assume Zakai is not 100% in November or they're cautious with him. So I'll go Freddie. Uh, at the point guard, Freddy DeLeon. At the two guards, Santiago Vescovi. At the three, Dalton Connect. At the four, Chris Ledwom, and at the five, Jonas. I do.
2: Do it with Santi, or do it with uh, Double
0: Z. Uh, just replace Zakai with Freddie. Uh, Freddy with Zakai, and bring Freddy off the bench. Okay, but uh, that, and that's no like sound the alarm bells on Zakai. Just thank you, in this situation, as late as he tore his ACL in the season that you're extremely cautious with him on when you bring him back and, and how you treat the whole situation
2: now good. Can, you,
1: can you give us the uh, Eric can you give us the starting rotation for the 2029 Vanderbilt series <laughs>
2: 2029 c- cannot thank God that uh, COVID years will be gone by then though because that's been annoying to keep up with the last couple of years in every single sport
1: All right, Nick you got a kid
2: we throw the Muckamala in. Maybe. Uh, let's go to carry the 542. Give us a scoop on which teams have shown the most interest in the Vols top NFL draft prospects Darnell Wrights, Hooker, Hyatt, Tillman, Young. Simply put, you know, Brent, Austin, where have these guys been mocked to the most?
3: Uh, I've probably seen Darnell mocked the most to Tampa Bay. That one has kind of seemed to be. Um, the most consistent on, on mocks out there certainly have seen him to Chicago. I talked with someone yesterday who still thinks there's a chance he could climb inside the top 10, depending on how the quarterback stuff falls early. Uh, but, I, you know, most consistently I've seen Darnell uh, with the bucks. And I think Hendon to the Vikings has probably been the most consistent in the mocks. Grant, you've, you've dove into the a deep dive into the mocks. That one seems to be the most consistent, but What happens when the quarterback run takes place? You know, I mean, who's moving, who's shaking, who's doing a deal? Is somebody going to try to get in front of the Colts to take Will Levis? You know, what's going on there? I think it's going to be interesting in those first four picks with the quarterbacks. Something Todd McShay pointed out that I thought was
0: interesting that I can't remember how many drafts he was counting, but the least, uh, the round with the least amount of quarterbacks last five years, second round, right? Was that the last five years?
2: Last five years, only two go on.
0: Right, because if you have a second-round grade on a quarterback, you might try to take him late in the first round because that rookie contract, if you're a first-round pick, comes with that fifth-year option. So you're trying to – and his example was Jalen Hurts. If, if the Eagles would have taken him late in the first round instead of 53 overall or whatever, they wouldn't be paying him right now that huge deal he just got. They would be doing that a year from now. So I think that works in Hendon's uh, favor. Obviously, we've seen him climb quite a bit in a lot of these mocks the last – month or so six weeks however long it's been um people were talking about the titans maybe trading back to be a a team for him Uh, minnesota late in the first round seattle late in the first round uh to add to what brent said with darnell uh pittsburgh at 17 i think uh washington at 16 um there's another one i can't remember maybe new england at 18 uh the bears certainly uh need a right tackle i don't know if they take him at number nine or if they try to trade back again and add some more draft capital but it feels like for sure he's going to be at least a middle of the first-round pick, and then the question becomes Hendon late in the first round if he goes there, if not in the second round. Uh, and it feels like Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman are both kind of toward the top of the second round in the 30s, 40s, something like that.
3: You know, it's interesting on, on Darnell Austin for me um, and kind of looking at this, I wonder if he gets past New England because I think New England's interesting. They need an offensive lineman. If they go offensive lineman there, Darnell to me – makes the most sense. And here's my rationale. Bill O'Brien's the OC up there. Now he's seen Darnell up close for two straight years. And he's been in the room when they're grading tape and he's talking to Will Anderson and everything else about Darnell's ability. I think Bill O'Brien might be more in love with Darnell Wright just because he's got a a firsthand account and firsthand knowledge of, of what Darnell Wright can do and what he did to Alabama the last two years.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, Darnell's the most interesting prospect um, just because he played left two years ago. He played right this past year out of necessity. Um, and really, you know, uh, when, you, when you think about it, just kind of his versatility, he could play guard if they needed him to in the NFL. Like, I mean, he, he's a good enough athlete um, and, and is a big boy. Um, you're right. I think New England makes a ton of sense. I was sitting at Litton's for my father-in-law and my dad's birthday on Tuesday night, and ESPN was on the screen, and there was a mock draft going on. And, of course, they're putting it up like it's the real draft. And I was sitting there thinking, like, who's sitting at a bar that doesn't really pay attention a whole lot and is tweeting, man, Darnold Wright just got picked by the commanders because that's who they had him getting drafted by. Um, you know, there's a bunch of teams right there in that. I, I think Darnold could go as high as 10. I don't see him dropping past 17 or 18. Like I just don't see him getting past that point. Hendon, you know, if if I'm the Titans and and you saw what, you know, what you got out of Josh Dobbs last year from an interest standpoint, if you're going quarterback at that spot, unless just somebody falls that you really are in love with, I'm rolling with Hendon Hooker. Like if, if the Titans were to try to go and draft Will Levis over Hendon Hooker, they don't, like I, I, I just don't understand log- logic. And you don't have to
2: give up the farm yeah. to move up to two or three and get like an Anthony Richardson, yeah. which is, you know, some of that conversation lies. Like,
1: unless like, you know, a Richardson Falls, and even then, like that's still such a, you know, you know high-risk, high-reward type pick. Um, the thing with Hinton though, is, is he's 25 years old, Hubs, and so like the Titans make sense because, I mean, how many more years they'll roll with Tanny Hill? Now, Seattle, they just gave Geno Smith a three-year deal, uh, you know, How committed are they really to him? You know, that makes some sense too. But at the same time, like, again, you gave him a three-year deal. Tannehill, you know, this feels like that one's going to be a a divorce sooner rather than later. Maybe he gets another year while Hendon's learning if the Titans decide to go a quarterback. But I think, you know, you've got to kind of figure out, you know, where the needs are for each of these guys. And then I I still go back to does Jalen Hyatt or does a Byron Young who ran so well at the Combine and has interviewed well. Does he slide into the back end of round one? Because you go back, Daryl Taylor. Nobody was talking about him, and then all of a sudden he goes rocketing up and gets drafted higher than a lot of people thought uh, to Seattle a few years ago. There's been a few instances like that over the years where you know somebody performs well and you know somebody falls in love with them and then they go get That Tennessee guy that gets drafted higher than normal, Robert Ayers.
2: Hubs, in terms of Seattle, and I know you mentioned Seattle a couple weeks ago on the Rewind or this podcast or something, they've got pick five twenty and 37. Um, Seattle makes a whole lot of sense because with Geno, as awesome as pointing out, they just gave him that contract, but there's an out after each of those years. Mm-hmm. And so if they wanted to move on with him after this season or after next season, they could. Um, but you have an established quarterback that is an established quarterback now, comeback player of the year in the NFL. It allows Hendon to – Get healthy, sit, hold a clipboard, learn all that type of stuff, and then you know allow him to get the keys in a couple of years. But with Seattle, you can move back if you are at twenty; you can move up from thirty-seven back into the back into the first round. And Seattle just has all that room to work with, and so for Hendon, um, if it's not you know something you know funky at the at the top of the draft or somebody's moving back or whatever, Minnesota, Seattle. Those two teams make the most sense in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, Seattle's gonna go defense, I think, with the fifth pick. They have five, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah five. Pick, five. I, I think Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter and Pete Carroll seem like a perfect marriage to me. Um, just in terms of managing that that's kind of a Seattle type guy, right? Who's quote deemed a high risk, but you know, fits the the characteristics of, of kind of what happens in Seattle. So Jalen Carter there seems to make a lot of sense at five. I think the question is going to be where is Anthony Richardson and where do people have Anthony Richardson versus Hendon Hooker? You know, if the Titans, Grant, are sitting there and they're looking for a quarterback, do they think higher ceiling with Richardson, lower floor right now? Um, you know, I, I don't know what, what they think. I, I like Hendon Hooker better because he's more accurate. But but I think it's going to get to the interesting point of where is Richardson in this draft and then where does the quarterback stuff go once you get past Levis. I mean, is CJ Stroud really going that high? Is this all a ruse about, you know, he's this disaster suddenly falling everywhere? I think there's a lot of jockeying going on right now with the quarterbacks from agents and from teams leaking stuff out there heading into the draft on Thursday night.
0: I I think or maybe I hope that Hendon falls into a situation where he goes late in the first round and he goes to a franchise that's ready to win now, like that Minnesota or that Seattle. Yeah, I like Minnesota and some, receivers and, and somewhere that he can kind of have a red shirt year where, yeah, they can get out of that Geno deal in Seattle a year from now and, and they could hand the keys to hooker. Uh, I think Kirk cousins is only under contract for another year and I doubt they throw another huge contract at him. So that's another situation where he could sit out and he could take the keys a year from now. But at the same time, like the Titans, I think age might be the, the biggest. I mean, it's going to be the biggest deal for Hendon moving forward. The age it will probably has been throughout this entire process. But I don't, are the Titans ready to win now or, or win a year from now? Are they really? Because by the time you put the pieces together on this roster, how old is Hendon? How long has he been in your franchise? Kind of what are you looking like there? I think a team that's more prepared to win now looks less at Hendon's age and what he can give you in the next three, four years and try to strike while the iron's hot.
3: Quarterbacks are playing longer in the NFL, though, than they ever have. So does the age thing get bumped down a little bit in the eyes of some people because of the the length of time that, that quarterbacks seem to be playing now compared to years ago? I don't know. I mean, does his game allow him to do that? If he's going to run a lot, Eric, he, he may not have that kind of longevity. Those are all things that executives and GMs are trying to figure out right now.
2: And looking at the mocks last couple of weeks. Hyatt has been a popular pick to the Giants in the late 30s. Tillman to the Cardinals or to the Panthers kind of again always those late 30s early 40s Young has been mocked to the Raiders he's been mocked to the Green Bay Packers at 54 um, that, that's kind of what I've seen from there also trivia question guys if Hendon Hooker which we all believe is going to happen is selected in the first round tonight he will be the second oldest first round quarterback selected ever in the history of the NFL draft Chris who Wankie. was the oldest Chris Winky nope
0: that would be my guess, Chris Wink. It didn't guess.
2: happen much uh, too long ago, guys, and in the oh, last, I would say, 13, 14 years maybe, 15 think years.
3: About, think about old guys in the league. I mean, older quarterbacks. I don't I don't know the answer to that. I mean, because Warren Moon's obviously a lot older than that. He came in from uh, the Canadian Football League. Kurt this Lincoln, guy didn't last. And he didn't play. Oh, okay. Well, now I'm, I'm out.
2: Brandon Whedon.
3: Okay, from Oklahoma. Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon. From Oklahoma State after playing baseball.
2: Yep. 27? Was he
3: 27? 27, yep. Yeah, that didn't work. That didn't work very well for him. It,
2: it did not work.
3: It did not work at, at all. The Hyatt thing's interesting. I know we got to move to the next question. The Hyatt thing's interesting because I think that's got to be a team looking for something specific, Austin, because I don't think the tape on Jalen Hyatt is great in terms of a lot of yak yards, you know, catching a bubble screen, Catching a you know a quick slant. He's and, not available. A lot of things. I, I mean, he's a straight vertical guy. So I, I think you got to be looking for something specific when you take Jalen Hyatt. Whereas I think Tillman, in time, may have a little more body of work to can do a little a few more things. He just doesn't run as well as Jalen Hyatt.
1: Yeah, I, I love Cedric Tillman. I, I I think you know the team that gets him is getting someone who three four years from now you know could be going man how did we end up with that guy at pick. 42 or whatever i mean like you know i think he's gonna be that good and and i never would have said that hubs you know how i, I my stance on, on cedric tillman it was uh, a
3: run play every time he went on the field
1: it was it was I, I, he literally his first two years here it was that telegraphed Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden he makes oh. a catch against a&m at the end of 2020 and takes off and the rest is history but you're right we are uh 14 minutes into the podcast, I think we've answered one question.
0: <laughs> hey, Colt, Colts.
1: Two, we've answered two. Colts or
0: Panthers. Colts or Panthers for either of those guys. They're going to get their quarterback. They need a receiver. The Panthers just lost DJ Moore. Yep. Uh, I don't think Jalen Hyde can be DJ Moore, but he could take the top off the of defense. Or, or uh, uh, same thing with the Colts. They both need receivers. And the, they both
2: need quarterbacks. With the Cardinals, what about DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, again, there's questions there. I think even if he stays, they want to get a receiver as well. Uh, Austin, NWGA Vol, wants to know, how do the ball stand with Emmanuel Okoy? Okoye? Okoye. Okoye. Like Christian Okoye.
1: Um, Nigerian Nightmare. I, I expect him to make a decision sometime in the next several days. Um, it feels like Tennessee's got some momentum there. Um, I've not been told it's done, but there was some positive traction. And uh, I, either way, I think he's coming off the board uh, and will be heading to a college campus near you in the next – 45 days um biggest,
3: biggest competitor for the balls
1: i think it's usc okay and and, and now the kids done, I've done a whole lot of interviews coming out of these visits so unless unless he fell in love at Texas Tech or you know one of those like it seems like usc
2: okay Wealthy for life it's got two here do you believe the new clock rules in football will have any effect on ut's offense brent
3: no, I don't think so. I mean, I think the biggest challenge is, you know, you, you, you the officials can't take can't take first down off to spot the ball. I mean, they got to get they got to get going. It may limit a few plays, you know, but but I don't think it's I don't think it's a catastrophic change to the game. Grant, I mean, I, I don't. M- maybe some teams going to try to go into a four minute offense to start the game and and take a possession or two, uh, try to take a possession or two away, but I, I don't. When Tennessee has the ball, I don't think it has any effect on them at all. To me,
0: it's a lot like the baseball clock in the MLB this year. Everybody's talking about it. It just shortens the game a little bit. It doesn't really change that much. Uh, the Braves still play the same game. Their bullpen still sucks. It just happens in two and a half hours opposed to three hours. Uh, I think it's the same thing where it's going to shorten the game a little bit, but Tennessee's offense is going to do what it does. It's going to go fast.
1: You can tell you who I think it helps? I think it helps Tennessee's defense. That means there's less time on the clock, which means less time. I mean, Tennessee's still going to score and – A minute 32, and so instead of, you know, a minute 32 rolling off the clock, it's now going to be 2.22 rolling off the clock. That's less time Tennessee's defense is on the field, in my opinion.
3: And let's face it, the biggest clock issue in college football is not the game clock when plays happening. It's the length of commercial breaks. It's the analyst going, talking an extended period of time going into a break. It's coming back out of the break and getting in the sponsor hit for – whatever game recap you're doing or whatever else that delays the start of the the series for another, you know, 90 seconds or whatever it might be. And then you've also thrown in, you know, five reviews that take an average of three and a half minutes of review or four minutes of review. And all of a sudden you found yourself another hour or 45 minutes of football in a hurry.
2: One other question here, what tangibles does Christian Scott bring over merit, dryling, and tears that have been garnering him starts lately in the outfield? Um, Going into last series against Vanderbilt, he was one of your better SEC hitters. Um, He's had a couple big hits here lately. He plays defense better than anybody else out there, and they love him on the base pass. Christian Scott and and Hunter Inslee are two of your starting outfielders, and obviously Dickey's going to be out there as well. Kind of wrote about that in the three two one, but that's that's a lot of what he's been bringing. As long as he's hitting good enough, he's going to be in the lineup, and he's hitting more than what I think what they even anticipated. Kind of in that role, uh, let's go to wrong handed. A couple of weeks ago on the pod, y'all said that personnel was the main reason Rick Barnes had only had one offense that was better than thirty fifth in the country. Do you think this roster has the right personnel to be top twenty five, Grant?
0: Uh, To be determined. I mean, you you didn't bring Dalton Connect here because he's a really good defender. You brought him here because he's a really good scorer. And you didn't bring Chris Ludlum here because he's a great defender. You brought him because he's a pretty good scorer. He was at Harvard. So the question is going to be, how do those guys translate? Jordan Ganey, the same thing, he's one of the best shooters in the transfer portal. What does he shoot like when he gets to Tennessee? Um, I think they did a lot to help their offense. Are they going to be a top 25 offense? I have no idea. It depends on how reliable Chris Ludlum is in the post. It depends on how Um, what kind of steps forward uh, Jonas Adu takes. Um, Are they going to have reliable guys down there that you can dump the ball and get a bucket when you need to? Um, Is Jordan going to be a knockdown shooter on the perimeter? Is Dalton going to be a driver and a guy that can, you know, hit threes and score the mid-range score at all three levels? I mean, if these guys kind of live up to their billing and what we saw from them uh, at their previous stops, and, yeah, they helped the offense a ton. But that's the thing about the transfer portal is you never know who's going to translate to the next level. You know, never know who's going to get here and look completely lost and out-athleted and all that stuff. So it remains to be
3: seen, but I think they did a lot to help their offense. How much does Shack's development, if he can develop offensively this offseason, change what they look like offensively if, if he becomes a guy who can get to the rim and finish? Uh, it's –
0: it's huge. Um, Shaq, the year-over-year the year difference with Jemima A. Shaq is huge. From what we saw his freshman year to his sophomore year, just the kind of the work he did on his jump shot, the mid-range. Um, I can't remember if he was leading scorer against Louisiana in the first round of the NCAA tournament or something like that. But for him to make – you know, he's the best, one of the best perimeter defenders in the conference in the country, that's great. But the, the ground he made up on the offensive end, and if that continues, he'll be one of Tennessee's better players, one of Tennessee's most complete players. Uh, one of Tennessee's most important players for sure.
2: we got plenty more to get into of your mailbag questions, but first a, a quick word from our proud sponsors, Exterior Home Solutions.
1: You know, life happens, and damage to your home can be extremely stressful. That's why it's important to find someone who offers efficient, quality work with financing options. Exterior Home Solutions, they value not only family but community, and they're who I call when life happens, and you should too.
3: For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
2: Right, we continue on here. We'll go to hitter. That's to say, we seem to be in for a lot of big-name edge guys. Ross Lynch from Rushing. Uh, no Gosh, I can't say it. Noonari. How do you say it?
1: one i One. I've mastered it after butchering it for weeks.
2: <laughs> how many would you say that Tennessee takes? And is it a first come first serve situation? Or are we holding off on commitments that position similar to how we were at linebacker?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, there's going to be a few of those guys that like, <laughs> no matter who's committed, like if they want to come bring them on, um, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, they've done a really good job with, with edge the last few years. Um, Williams Winery is a really, really top-end prospect, obviously the number two overall player in the country by on three. Um, but, I mean, he's a, he's a top-end guy across the board. And, uh, you know, the rushing kid going to visit officially in June. Alan just I, I just don't feel like Tennessee is like – you know, I feel like Tennessee is, you know, at the top or, you know, tied at the top with Oklahoma for Winery. I don't have the same feeling for, for rushing – um, Danny Okoye is another guy that, you know, is going to be back here for a visit. Um, you know, that's, that's an edge guy. So, you know, which is a different Okoye, not a manual. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, they've done a really good job there. I don't think there's a pecking order, but I mean like, you know, when going to have a spot here, regardless of who's committed here.
2: What's T and Mike wants to know is Seldon on the short list for kick returner this year with the departure of Jimmy holiday or is D Williams going to do both?
3: Uh, yeah, he's on the short list. I'd put he and D back there together.
2: Some other options, Brent, would be uh, Samson, Squirrel, um,
3: Addison Nichols,
2: Ron Grant.
3: <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would literally, I would put Cam Seldon, and I would put D Weems back there. That that's that would be where I would go. I don't think I would take a chance on Squirrel White back there. I think he's too valuable to get to slot, given you know his size, you know how much could he handle back there being as the kicker? He's way player. more
2: of a punt returner anyway.
3: Yeah, and, and I mean I think D Williams I mean that's D. Williams value to the team. He's not I don't he's not gonna be a factor on special teams. They haven't worked him any I mean a factor in the secondary. They haven't worked him anywhere with any specialty on offense. So I think the value for D Williams is is, you know, on the punt return game. So he's
0: he's he's parting to skill at specialists. I'll
1: I'll never understand when he's not a factor at all in the secondary while they don't at least give him some kind of package on offense. Because, I mean, when he has the ball in his hands, he's pretty good.
2: Sam Smith wants to know, what NFL prospect that you saw in person do you think will have the best career? I guess that's a prospect that you saw in person this past year.
0: Jameer uh, Gibbs. We talking opposing uh, opponents? Yeah, that's how I read it. Like I get it. Running backs, you're not going to take you know high picks on running backs these days in this NFL because, I mean, go back to the Super Bowl and look at the guys on those rosters and who's doing the most uh, for the Chiefs and for the Eagles in those games. But Jameer Gibbs, just what he did the few times he got the ball, didn't feel like he got the ball a ton uh, in Knoxville, but just the way he performs with the ball in his hands in space, the way he makes guys miss, his feet, his quickness, his speed. I mean, everybody uh, compares him to Kamara, Alvin Kamara, for good reason, I think. Uh, if you can get him, I know B. John Robinson's a guy that everybody's kind of circling at running back as the number one guy. But man, Jameer Gibbs, he was impressive. It's
1: got to be Will Levis, right?
2: <laughs> it's true. I forgot about him. Could be another Will, maybe Anderson, but probably not Levis. Yeah, I mean, uh, well,
1: did,
0: I, I, I which like... which which Will did less in Knoxville, Anderson or Levis?
2: That's Woo. a good one. That is a great question there. Whoa! I That's bet it's weird. Anderson. He did less, right? I mean. At least, at least, Levis threw for ninety-eight yards. <laughs> I mean, but, it,
0: but at least, at least, Anderson didn't put mayonnaise in his coffee and eat a whole banana. So,
3: um, you know, for me, I, I mean, if he can stay healthy, I, Bryce Young was the best football player I saw last I, year. I agree. Same, I concur. I mean, what? What? I mean, if if he's not on that Alabama team, they're seven and five at best. I mean, th- I mean, he willed them to a win at Texas. You know, he nearly beat Tennessee with not a hundred percent, like 60%. Gosh. I mean, could you imagine him at a hundred percent against Tennessee that day? I just, he was the best player. So I think a guy who's going to have a better career than people want to give him credit for right now. He's not going to be drafted as high as a result um, is the old kid at, at LSU off the edge. I think he's going to end up being a really good player in the NFL.
2: Jalen Carter's in this conversation. I think Nolan Smith is in this conversation. Um, but yeah, I would I would go with with Bryce Young for me. I mean, his ability to move up the pocket, keep his keep his eyes downfield, evade pressure, was really really good. Uh, another one here from Sam Smith: Do they have Cal Stark at catcher versus elite right-handed pitching, or do they move Dickey back to catcher versus right-handed pitching? I don't know. Um, I think Tennessee's best hitting lineup, without a doubt, is with Dickey behind the plate. But um, it just seems like they've they're really comfortable right now with Cal Stark catching against righties or lefties. They love his right-handed bat in there because they just, they're just they obsessed with having balance in the order. Um just feels like right now, Cal Stark is your catcher. Um, and that doesn't mean Dickey won't ever catch, but I just feel like right now their plan is for Cal Stark to be your catcher. Have Dickey come back in there in late-inning situations, maybe, because Cal Stark is always a, a candidate to be pinched hit for. And if that were to happen, unless you bring Chuck off the bench, you'll have Dickey back behind the plate. Let's go to... Um, Zevals, what are the long-term positions for West and Hobbs? Will they have a true one-technique defensive tackle once Thomas, Terry, and Simmons are all gone? Seems like we're going to lose everybody that's three hundred and ten pounds plus and aren't recruiting those types of players any longer.
1: I mean, I, I think that you're, you're looking at you know those two guys being. <sighs> They're probably more three techniques. I'm not sure you'll have just a straight nose hubs. I just don't, I I just don't see that.
3: Well, and again, I think that's okay because of how they play. They want to play so vertical up the field. I mean, it's not like they're. And they're like the the, defensive
1: linemen are normally pretty big.
3: Yeah. And they're they're not shade. They're not shading a center to take up two gaps is, is, and, and just kind of squat there like, like a lot of nose guys are. So. I think they'll be a little more traditional with with more two kind of traditional tackles that way, um, and and roll with it there. I, I, that doesn't and again, this is probably Grant probably me my bias. I'm not really worried about what they look like there as long as Rodney Garner's coaching the defensive front. I mean, I, I you know there's a couple kids at Auburn, uh, the, the Wooten kid at Auburn who's going to go in the, uh, who's going to go in the draft uh, probably on Friday. Is a guy who played a year at defensive tackle, then they bumped him out to play him at defensive end. You know, and and uh, he put on forty five pounds once he got to Auburn. I, it'll work itself out. I'm not I'm not really worried about where they are in terms of a one or three or two threes or whatever you want to call it inside.
0: What you're saying is Rodney Garner's name speaks for itself, and you'd have to be an idiot on this podcast to call him Charlie Garner.
2: Yes, that would be correct. Charlie Garner was Deep a great prospect. Got a couple here from Atheron. Uh, Will Hurd, Jeremiah's Hurd, be a left tackle when it's all said and done or a defensive lineman? Tackle. Any more commits coming before June officials? Yes. Who is a better class of commits from the state of Missouri when Penn hits paper, Tennessee or Missouri? Tennessee. Thoughts on the roles of all the new B-ball transfers, starter minutes, heavy minutes off the bench, et cetera? Uh, Chris
0: Ledlam's starter... go ahead Austin
1: I'm just having fun keep going
0: (laughs) Dalton connect starter Jordan Ganey off the bench Uh, they need Ledlam to start because they like JP Estrella the four-star forward they sign uh, but they want to let him take his time and not have to be somebody that plays a huge role day one so Chris start Dalton start Jordan Ganey off the bench
2: we'll say with basketball here vol by grace NCAA basketball tournament offseason question. Do you think the widespread parity that we saw in the tournament will become the norm, or will we have traditional powers figure out the portal slash NIL, move back toward primarily the Blue Bloods and the Elite Eight and beyond?
0: Well, I mean, 2022, we had Nova, Kansas, North Carolina, and Duke, so let's not act like the Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods haven't been there. You know, this year it's just more like, you know, Purdue's a number one. They're not great in March. They lose to a 16. That's only happened, you know, that's the only second time that's happened. Um, and some teams just go on runs. I don't, I don't think it's the new normal. I don't think Blue Bloods are struggling to adjust to NIL, whatever. Kansas didn't have Bill Self in the tournament. Uh, John Shire starting at Duke in his first year. North Carolina's got a second-year head coach. Villanova's got a uh, Kyle Neptune, a guy that's, you know, struggling to do what Jay Wright did at Villanova, obviously, because that's really hard to do. So I think it's more so just kind of the, the sea change with coaches and, and everybody's adjusting. But I think I don't think it's something to be expected every single year. There's a ton of parity in the NCAA tournament as is, but in terms of teams reaching the final Four, I would expect the, the power programs
1: to get back to, to being there regularly. Grant, this is from Chuck uh, underscore daily. <laughs> um, do you expect Jordan Ganey, since you say he's coming off the bench, to be the Vinnie Johnson, a.k.a. the microwave, of this basketball
0: team? The microwave would be good. That's what they need. They, they need a microwave. It's been a while.
3: Does that become an air fryer now, or do we still? Go yes,
1: back? that's what we're we gonna call him the air fryer. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. If he's good off the bench, that's done. Make an IL T shirt.
2: All right, let's go around the room for this one. We already did it a little <laughs> bit earlier, but we can make this really quick. Super bad, Vol fourteen wants to know NFL draft predictions for these Tennessee prospects. So give me a round and kind of a ish, you know, top forty ish or whatever. Uh, Brent Hindenhooker. Hooker, first. Grant Jalen Hyatt, second. Austin Cedric Tillman, second. I'll go Darnell Wright. He'll be topped. I think he'll be top seventeen picks. Uh, Brant Byron Young,
3: late second, mid to late second.
2: Austin Princeton Fant,
3: undrafted, but will make a team
1: because he is the Swiss Army knife. Grant. San Francisco.
2: Grant Drome Carvin.
1: Uh, seven.
2: I think he gets drafted, too. I think of the combination of Trayvon Flowers, Bumpus, Carvin, Fan, all those guys, I think it's Carvin that gets drafted. I also think Jeremy Banks will get drafted, too. Um, You know, late lay on, because he's kind of high up there in terms of just not a whole lot of inside linebackers. Okay, let's move on here. Uh, this is from Dalval14. More UT players in 2023 NFL draft or 2024 NFL draft?
1: 23.
2: 23. For sure. I think 100%, especially the higher-up guys, 23. Will any UT players be drafted in the 2024 NBA draft?
0: No. <laughs> I mean, Julian Phillips is really your only shot, and he's like – On the 24 drafts. Takes-
1: 2024 draft. That's a year. Draft. A year from uh,
3: draft. 20, uh, 2024 draft. Ooh. Uh, that's a you great question. You've not seen half of these guys that they brought in. Go ahead. Throw one out there. We'll make a headline. Yeah, I have no,
0: I can't even <laughs> answer. The will answer the air fryer get drafted?
3: <laughs> Depends on how much he air fries,
0: I guess.
2: Give me some locked on balls content next week by saying Grant Ramey says Freddie Deloitte will be drafted as a lottery pick next year.
0: If Freddie's one and done, um, he he is the natural bucket getter that he
2: calls himself. Technically he wouldn't be one and done. Uh it's true. One one and a half and done. The seven I'm maxims. Doing, Paul. <laughs> who who were the targets in the transfer portal? Any names you're hearing, at least position names, anything for the second window of football transfer portal, Austin?
1: No, there's nothing. I mean that right no. now there's some guys they've watched and looked at, but there's nobody they're actively going at. They they talk to the kid. From Wyoming, he ended up picking USC on Wednesday, and uh, you know they've watched a bunch more guys. I mean, a guy like Prince Collie, if you're if you're Tennessee, at six eight months ago, probably somebody you t- try to take a hard look at, probably take even. But now you like kind of the growth of Elijah Herring, the growth of Caleb Perry. You love what you're getting out of Arian Carter and T. Lander. and, and Jalen Smith. Probably the, the 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 one that has the most work to do out of those two, out of those five young linebackers. You got Beasley, you got Peely. Like, if you go and pick up another linebacker out of the portal, what's that tell Arian Carter? What's that tell Elijah Herring?
3: What's it tell Caleb Perry? Yeah. I mean, th- those second-year guys are already looking at the the newcomers that have come in, you know, and you brought in a veteran, you know, ahead of yeah. them. Now you bring in another one. Yeah, that's a, that that's certainly – I don't see the need because your depth there is good. Here, here would be my question to Portal, Austin. The receiver from TCU, any interest there? They've not, not done a whole lot there. I mean, brief conversations. Okay.
2: And Austin, correct me if I'm wrong. There was not much traction there the first go around for Prince Collie, right? That was what two cycles ago. Uh, that was
1: the end of Pruitt, and they chose. Uh, they they talked to him, um, but he had kind of they they were kind of late to Prince Collie, and then Collie just. Felt more ingrained at notre dame there was talk of him going in the portal a year ago after his freshman year and he didn't do it had he done that i think he's here but yeah. since he didn't again you have to think about these things i'm a fan and that's how fans have to think about it like how it if you if you like your younger players like let's say let's just go defensive line you like you, you like what you're getting in Weathersby. You like what you're getting in David Hobbs. You like with Tyree West. And I know you play more more players at that position, right? But, like, you know, you go in and bring somebody in, how does it mess with the room? And does it cause one of these young guys that you really like to knee-jerk it and go in the portal themselves? And and that's always a possibility.
2: Austin, awesome. let's stay with you. Max Salesman says, do you guys believe there's a reason we can't beat out some of these teams for top-tier running backs? Because in the past, we haven't had guys going and playing in the NFL from Tennessee since Alvin Kamara.
1: Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I think when they first got here, I think that it was kind of the same way with all positions. You know, Tennessee was left for dead. Um, Everybody was talking about Bowl bands and all this stuff, and, and, and hype hadn't coached the game yet. Um, last year, you know, Tennessee, you know, Tennessee likes what they got because they like saying they like Cam Selden. I mean, like, that's the thing. Everybody, because Selden was like an athlete, people forget, like, had Selden just been ruled a running back and, and judged off of that and that alone, where would he have been, you know, in the pecking order? Because I'm going to tell you, Tennessee feels like he is a top end, top flight back. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, you have to kind of judge it from those eyes. And then this year they are, they're in it with Nate, Nate Frazier, uh, Daniel Hill, uh, last I've heard is likely coming in for the Memorial Day weekend, the Rocky Top of Palooza or whatever they're going to call that thing. Um, you know, Chauncey, what you would call him, he's committed to Florida. Um, you know, he's been up here. Um, Tennessee still talks to him. That's another top end back. Um, you know, Tennessee's in a great spot with, you know, with Lewis. They're in a great spot with, with Peyton Lewis, but they're in a great spot with Fraylon Russell. And, again, what's Nate Frazier do? To me, like, he's now the number one running back by on three. He really liked Tennessee a lot. His mom liked Tennessee a lot. Again, though, that's one that's going to go a long time. and I don't see him making any type of decision in the next six, eight weeks. So, you know, that one you got to play the long game with. And, again, you're going against the best of the best for him.
2: Let's go to DPhil17. When was the last year when Tennessee football had players that were being projected like this year's Tennessee class in the draft, especially at quarterback? Brent, I was talking to Josh Ward the other day, and he made a really good point that I never really thought about, but, I mean, duh, yeah. I mean, this is the first time in terms of quarterback that a team is going to take a Tennessee quarterback to be the guy, not just to add depth to the room, not just to be a backup, you know, for years to come. I mean, Hendon Harker is going to be selected to be a guy, and that hasn't happened since Peyton Manning. I mean, that's kind of hard to believe, but I mean, even more so than the quarterback position, when's the last time Tennessee's had this much buzz going into a draft?
3: Well, in 2011, they had three first round picks Cordell Patterson, Juwan James, and Derek Barnett. Um, and 2010, uh, they had two, it's two different years. I mean, yeah, Barnett and, and Patterson are two different years. Okay, and then in 2010, they had Barry and Dan Williams, right? Um, I'm sorry, since 2011, they've had three first-round picks Here's overall. No. I misspoke really? there. Ap- Apologies. The last time Tennessee had this many guys taken in the first three rounds of the draft, assuming that they're going to have you know five guys taken in the first three rounds was so 2007. It's only happened twice since 2001. Now in 2000, they had eight guys taken because they were pretty good then. Really good win. <laughs> Had a lot of buzz that year, but that's a long time ago. And that's that's the point of, of the column that I wrote on uh on Wednesday was just this is I mean this is Josh Heupel's biggest win, and I know it sounds crazy because you know you stormed the field against Alabama, but for your current roster for recruiting this weekend is Josh Heupel's biggest win. Speaking got, of which, I got we'll-
0: trivia. Wait, Eric, I got trivia. 2002, yeah. how many Tennessee players were drafted? How many in the first round? Who were the first rounders?
2: 2002 first rounders. Yeah, two? You had uh, Hainsworth and um, and uh, John Henderson go like 8th and 11th, right? Nine like,
0: for John. I don't I don't know on Dante.
2: No, they were the same draft no. class.
0: Unless Wikipedia has lied to me. How many numbers? I don't know. 10 Ten guys drafted total. 10 guys drafted total. John Henderson, Dante Stallworth, Albert Haynesworth in the first round. It's
2: pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. I do want to end on this one because and that, uh, Brent, and that
3: team lost to LSU in the SEC championship game, cost them a chance to play in for a national title. Too yep. soon, Brent. Too soon. Sorry. <laughs> Bad salt. Dominic, this is, Dominic this is, Davis.
2: Yeah. Matt this Mark. is from Eric Kane for Austin Price. Uh, what do you think about the SEC <laughs> taking away uh, field storming? Um,
1: it's incredibly stupid, man. Don't, how many times did you hear last year, whether it was the Tennessee game or other games where they stormed the field? Man, what a scene! This is why college football so great. Like nobody was, nobody hit anybody. Nobody like anybody that, like Nick Saban saying he was scared. Come off it, old man. Like okay. you weren't scared neither was neither was any of your players that's ridiculous i mean like like i get it like it's well to be gone. fair
2: that one wide receiver hit that girl but yeah
1: yeah that's right he did he did hit her even though it was i mean like it wasn't like a hardcore deal but it means still yeah. i, mean, I, I, like, I, be- I do i don't get it like i yeah. like I, I, i'm not saying that like like if if somebody actually got in that situation and and it was bad sure but like until that happens like it doesn't happen frequent enough to be like, oh, oh, we're taking a home game away. Like, I mean, I, and I know that that's not what they've totally settled on, but, like, I just feel like what makes college football so great is the ability to interact with fans, to have the fans be a part of moments. Um, and, that, and that works, you know, both ways. I mean, heck, Tennessee had – well how many, field, how many times in 2000 did somebody storm the field against Tennessee? Was it twice,
2: Hubs? Georgia did.
3: Wasn't there another one that year, though, too?
2: South Carolina stormed uh, the field last year in Columbia.
3: Yeah, I mean, here's my thing. And and I said this I think maybe in a in a Twitter deal with Jason Swain. And and I'm not knocking any security people at all. I'm not I mean, I'm not knocking them. They've got a 100 of them lined around the lower bowl. They're not stopping anybody. Like they're not they're not going to stand there and, and arrest somebody in a stampede as they cross the deal. So why don't you have a contingency plan where they create basically a human corridor to get the opposing team off the field like great great, like, great thought great like thought. I mean, trust me i mean fans are not gonna if there's a bunch of blue shirts and 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 police officers there they're, they're not going to run up into those guys faces or whatever they've got a corridor because again you you're not stopping them you're not stopping whatever the lower bowl is i mean i mean they could have said whatever they want to do They were, I mean, they didn't even try, which they shouldn't have. I mean, heck, those security people end up celebrating on the field, smoking cigars after the Alabama game because they're like, we ain't stopping nobody because you got no (laughs) chance. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they do this in basketball, right, Grant? I mean, I've seen some people where they put up rope, where they put up like a temporary rope. I know it's easier in basketball because you got fewer players and you're kind of going just right off to the side, but it's not an issue in basketball. My thing to Greg Sankey is, let's find a way to make it work and let's let's lose this narrative of forfeiting a home game or wins or whatever whatever craziness we're going to talk about and let's not increase the fine because there's too many ad's presidents chancellors all on camera somewhere going let them storm it every week if this is the scene we'll write the check i mean randy boyd said it last year on a, on a video and then, they, and then they asked
1: for money for goalposts
3: Right, I mean, just so the fine deal, keep finding them. But I mean, you're not going to find them three million dollars, Grant. Just find a way to make it more secure, and let's not eliminate that moment that doesn't happen all the time, except at Clemson when yeah. they go on the field after every game. Grant. And then
1: South Carolina when they won that game went all down on the field, and all the South Carolina fans were on the field. But they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have lost any home game for that because it was legal.
0: I mean, what, what's like, the biggest smoking
1: difference? In one state and not be able to smoke in another.
0: What's the biggest difference between college football and the NFL? Obviously, the talent and the skill and all that stuff. But like the fan, like you've never seen an NFL fan base storm a field because you don't have that same amount of passion. You don't have that same amount of magnitude hanging on each and every game in the regular season. Like you want to do this for safety. That's fine. I get that. But at the same time, you don't want to take away your one of your best qualities, which is the passion of college football fans and
1: how big games
0: are. And how big moments are. And like like Austin said with the, the images, like everybody remembers what that CBS shot where the, the fireworks are going off at Nealon, and uh, there's a big sea of orange on the field and uh, all that stuff.
1: So you, you better be the, careful about and, what's that? and here they come.
0: Right. And that, I mean, that's what, like, like Austin said, that's what college football is about. Those moments, those wins, those games. You better be careful how much you're trying to take fans out of that. Equation, I guess.
2: Saban's mad because he got he got rushed twice last year. To my knowledge, I mean, when LSU yep. beat him, Yep. When Tennessee beat him, he, he got rushed. Anytime anybody beats Alabama,
1: because Alabama's yes. been so good for exactly. two decades. Anytime Alabama loses, they get the field rushed.
3: Yeah. So it's happened to him three times in the last two years. No. And yeah. And again, I mean, you've got to protect those guys. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there, there's a security issue there, but you've got to find a way. To me, you've got to find a way to not lose. Just the idea that you can take away a home game seems just beyond extreme to me. Just beyond extreme. And
1: and maybe they make it where, hey, you're allowed on the field after the opposing team has exited. And you delay (laughs) it by, you know, two minutes. I don't know. I mean, I I think Hubs' logic makes sense. The human human blue – t-shirt shield i mean half the my problem with half those people down there and i mean i was on the field for years you know shooting highlights is there's so many fans that are that are that are getting paid to be security guys i mean they're they're like lunging out on the field they're jumping up and down in the middle of the in the middle of the way when 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 players score touchdowns i mean like like they're they're not paying attention to try to stop anybody half the time anyway
2: we'll see all all this plays out of course greg sankey and NCAA SEC wanting to put an end to a lot of the storm, uh, the, the field storming after big wins. So we'll see exactly what this looks like in the coming years. Uh, a long edition of the Mailbag Podcast. Appreciate you guys for sending in your questions and all that for recruiting, transfer portal, all that good stuff. And a big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions for making all this coverage possible. Give them a call today for a free estimate. That is at 865-524-5888, 865-524-5888, or visit them online That's exteriorhomesolutions.com. For Grant Ramey, awesome price print hubs. I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.
3: Step into the world of power